Welcome everybody to the Pierce Point Podcast. This podcast is designed to be a thought-provoking journey through the scriptures. Every weekday, my friend and fellow pastor Barney Estes and I walk through the Word of God verse by verse. As always, we'd love to know your thoughts about today's episode. You can hit us up at Pierce Point Church on Facebook or Instagram. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, here we are again. This week, we're going to be wrapping up uh, Luke chapter 24 and uh, the beauty of jumping into the great book of Acts and all that, uh, all the stories of the church as it begins to um, take root in the world that it began. So what a powerful, amazing thing. We are, of course, uh, right in the middle of this coronavirus pandemic, and we are going to continue to offer these podcasts as just an opportunity to uh, keep our church focused, keep you all focused on the Word of God, keep the conversation going. If you are in a place where you have a little more time uh, throughout the next uh, few weeks or however long this whole um, situation lasts, we want to hear from you, and we would love to hear from you via uh, via email or even on Facebook or this uh, the the podcast site that you're that you're finding these podcasts. So we check those comments and and try to respond to each one of those. So we want to encourage you, jump in, get get into the conversation. Uh, hopefully this time can help us to um, to grow a little bit more in our understanding of God's Word uh, while we may have a little bit more time on our hands. So uh, we encourage you to that. So we're going to jump right into verse 13 and we'll go as far as we can in this next hour. But uh, with that being said, what stands out to you, sir? Well, I love this uh, scripture uh, because it, to me, it, 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 it uh, brings out the fact that Jesus is going to do exactly what he promised uh, that he would do. And we see him starting to, to do that. He had told his disciples that he was going to rise again from the dead. And of course, we're going to read that that even at the point that he's not in the tomb anymore, and we've just read last week through that scripture, they still did not quite get it. So today they're about to get it very, very well. So in verse 10, we had read about Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary, the mother of James, and other women who had come running to the apostles to tell them the story. And verse 11 just paints this really intense picture of, of... getting into the minds of the apostles, uh, but these words appeared to them as nonsense and they would not believe them. But, but we talked of, uh, about it pretty pretty lengthy about Peter getting up and running to the tomb. He was, he was interested in whatever was happening here. He needed to confirm it for himself or whatever. So he goes bolting down. Now that story is interesting because you have you have this uh, kind of incredulous reaction to the the testimony of these women. Now we're going to see another one where the reaction seems to be interesting. It, it it's wait a second, who is this fellow that's that's walking with us? So uh, starting at verse thirteen, we're going to see this uh, really amazing story. I think mm-hmm. play out as we go. So and behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, and 
the two of them here seems to be referring to two of the disciples, two, two of the apostles, two, I mean, I suppose we might be able to conclude that it was two of the women, but uh, it appears, uh, it could have been, it, it's not, I don't think, but anyway, so let's, let's move with this. The two of them were going to a village uh, named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were ta- uh, talking with each other about all the things which had taken place. So you you can imagine that conversation dealing with Jesus' crucifixion and, and now this report that he's risen, all of this kind of thing happening in that conversation. Verse 15, while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But what is so interesting is verse 16. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Mm-hmm. What a curious line there! Uh, I'm just I'm yeah. fascinated by it. It's well, I, it's it's really cool. These uh, these two uh, don't seem to be any of the well known well known disciples or apostles. Even it, it does name one of them in verse 18. Right. It's Cleopas, and, and 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 there there is a there's uh, a lot of uh, conjecture on who the other one was, but it it but neither of them they weren't the famous apostles. I guess would would be what what you would say. I I I really am amazed that Jesus is going to these guys that are just walking and talking and thinking about this, and I can see this in my mind about they're pondering all of the things that had taken place, and they're. And, and, and we will see later on in this story that much of what they were pondering was we, we loved this man. We thought he was a great, pro, a great prophet, and we even believed that he may be the Messiah, Messiah come to, 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 to save his people Israel. And, 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 and they're talking about this, and, you, and we'll see that as you go along, you start to get a sense of their their doubts that were coming in because Jesus, when he actually does talk to them, brings that out and he asks them some questions that he already knew the answer to, yeah. which was really interesting. Absolutely. Uh, on that uh, Cleopas person, um, the this is, according to uh, the New American uh, Bible commentary, this is not the, cl- uh, the Clopas, C-L-O-P-A-S, mm-hmm from John 19. Uh, and Cleopas is actually a really interesting name. It's a shortened form of the Greek name Cleopatros, which is actually the masculine side. And the feminine side would be Cleopatros or Cleopatra, which Cleopatria, which mm-hmm. would be mm-hmm. where, you know, where we get that feminine name. So anyway, the, the point is they don't actually know you know who this one particular was and they definitely we definitely don't know who the other one is but nonetheless their eyes were prevented from recognizing him according to verse 16 now we roll into verse 17 and uh and he said to them so Jesus begins to speak and he says what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking and they stood still looking sad one of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting <laughs> Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, 
the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word, in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all of this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said to them that he was alive. So right there, we have this, uh, all of the things that they're talking about is clearly what Mm -hmm. we just Mm -hmm. referred to, which is they're talking about his death. They're talking about his crucifixion. They're talking about his resurrection. Now they have this report that, that Jesus is raised and Jesus is doing a masterful job of playing yes. it off yeah. as though he doesn't know what has happened. <laughs> I just love yeah. it. So these two, it's very, it's, it's odd. I mean, this story is kind of odd. It's intriguing, but very odd. These, these, these two were probably, uh, most scholars will, will tell you, they were probably returning from uh, the Passover celebration. So them traveling at, I think it was about seven miles to, to the, to the town they were going, this gave, this gave them an opportunity to kind of chat with each other. And they had, they were somewhat just concerned that it seemingly from their words that they had been wrong about their, about their assessment of, of, of uh, Jesus. And as they were talking, it seems that, that Jesus had kind of Kind of, he was walking, uh, and he says he began traveling with them, and it seems like he didn't say a whole lot at first, and it says because he said he just began, he he approached and began traveling with them. It wouldn't have been unusual for another traveler going the same way to just a walking with somebody. Everybody's going down the same road, and he's listening, and then all of a sudden he breaks out with what he says in verse seventeen, and he said to them. What are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still looking sad. Now, if you think about how, what was it that, what was relayed to Luke when he wrote this down, that, that they, they had a countenance, they, were, they looked sad in their countenance, the words they were saying were sad. Uh, I, I think it's all of that. I think their body language, they, they conversed and they were reasoning with each other and all that had happened and all, I mean, think about all the things that they were talking. And then I do, I love, it, 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 when, it, when he says to them, what are these words? They stopped, they stood still and they're, 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 they're just forlorn looking. And that's when Cleopas says, are you the only one visiting <laughs> Jerusalem? That's not a word. Where have you been? Are you, yes. are you living under a rock That's somewhere? Exactly right. It's it's just amazing that Jesus, he certainly knew what they were talking about. He's the one who rose. Yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> so he's just initiating the conversation with them to yep. lead them into a conver- conversation that ultimately is going to help them. Yes. Ultimately, is going to help them in their spirit and in many other ways. It is going to teach them that there ha- there was a necessity of his death, and and we're going to move on with that and and see all of that in detail. But verse sixteen is a fascinating verse in how it is written 
in the Greek language or in the Aramaic in this case. Uh, it says that their eyes were, and the NASB translates the word here, prevented from recognizing him. And the reason why the NASB translates it this way, and accurately, I might add, is because this was this term here is a divine passive, and that is that they were kept from recognizing him. Now, many of us have these weird uh, problems with with wrapping our minds around these kinds of things, but what for whatever reason we we still need to understand, but. God kept them from recognizing Jesus for for whatever yeah. uh, for for a reason but but whatever that reason is we've got to come to later but what we have to deal with is that God can prevent somebody from seeing a thing if he is going to accomplish something now what i think is so amazing about that is that these were believers mm-hmm. in Jesus mm-hmm. And he wants, God wants to communicate something bigger to them, so he prevents them in some way from understanding who he is or seeing directly who he is. Um, that that would go a long way if we would parallel that with things like people not having eyes to see or ears to hear. Even if there was a, a piece of divine action in it, it is not always because God has reprobated somebody, God or God has sees them as a reprobate and just pushes them off. In this case, these were believers. They did believe in him, but God had to teach them more about who he was. I do think it's really important to study what it is that they say. Of course, the, the humorous piece is. Are you the only one that has, you know, you've been living under a rock? Are you the only one under the rock here? Yeah. But the next piece is important to me because he says the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people. Jesus asked that question, who do you say that I am? Yeah. And the response of the disciples was, well, everybody says that you're a prophet and you're, you're, you know, you've come like Elijah or John the Baptist or whatever it is. So everybody had seen him as a prophet. That's fine. They believed that. But this next line shows us what they hoped he was, which he was, that they were just confused about why he would have to die to be this. So it says he was a prophet, mighty indeed, uh, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. Verse 21, though, says, but we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all of this, it's the third day and and turns out that he's risen from the grave. What I think is amazing here is that if we put all of this story together and we're thinking about Elizabeth and we're thinking about Zacharias, that's John the Baptist's parents, if we're thinking about Mary and we're thinking about Joseph, Jesus's parents, if we're thinking about Anna and we're thinking about uh, Simeon and we're thinking about all of these different characters uh, in the story of Anna, all the people who are waiting for the consolation of Israel. What they were waiting for was this one to redeem Israel. Right there, you see this idea of what they were waiting for. We're wait- we thought he was the one to redeem Israel. And in him dying, 
in their minds, there's no redemption. Yeah. They don't realize that in him dying and raising, there's true redemption, which meant the redemption that he came to fulfill at this moment and the redemption that they expected were very different ideas. That's just something that I think we need to draw our attention to. It's so cool. It's incredible that you've pointed out these things because I really do believe I agree with you. I think it is, this is going to show us a way that, that, that Jesus in this case, and it doesn't always happen this way, we, we certainly know this, that Jesus throughout ages of time, he reveals himself in different ways as far as, as different circumstances even, and from even ancient times to modern day. But it typically involves God's word and, and God himself making himself known. It involves all of those things and a combinations of all of that, all of those things. But first of all, we know that Jesus knew full well why they were sad. He knew full well. Absolutely. Now, what, what he also knew was that they didn't have a reason to be sad, but they didn't know that yet. Yes. They were not aware of that. So when he said, when he asked this question, I think it is, first of all, to start this thing working out where he wants to, uh, the, the best way is skillfully go along with them so they could learn something, so they could... They could come to something on their own. So he's encouraging them. Now, now he, here's the interesting piece. Jesus, he, he knew in their, he knew what was in their heart. He knew why they were sad. But somehow he saw value in them saying it to him. Yes. Saying those words, what it was that, 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 that they were sad. Now, Jesus knew, he knew all about the events that they were talking about. He, he wasn't just, uh, information seeking. He had all the information. Yes. He was part of it. He was firsthand involved in it. And it was just beyond yes. firsthand. But this is what it makes me think of, Nathan, is that he, you remember in the garden, after after Adam had, they, they had both succumbed to the temptation of the serpent and God's walking through the garden and Adam is hiding from God and God says something he says, where are you, Adam? Where are you? Now, God knew exactly yes. where Adam was. It, it, was I don't, it wasn't information seeking because no. God, there was never a time God didn't know where Adam was. Yeah. So there was something going on here to involve a conversation with God yes. that I think is beautiful here. So that's just and, my thought on all those things that you'd said. Kind in of. the idea of them professing their real genuine state of belief, that is important in moving forward. If I don't know your, your actual state of belief, I can't offer to you a helpful way forward. Yeah. I could I could reiterate all the things that you know and things you don't struggle with. I could I could make this whole you know faith journey uh, you know uh, more cumbersome for you because I'm just I'm just adding things that aren't really that interesting to you or don't actually make sense to you based on your maturity level. Jesus, God does this so many times. He's finding out where they are. I think we see the same story when when the angels visit 
Uh, when the angels visit Abraham and Sarah on the way to Sodom and Gomorrah, and uh, Sarah is laughing about having, you know, going to have a child in her old age, and and uh, God says, you know, Sarah laughed, and Sarah says, I didn't do that, and God's like, uh, yeah, okay, so <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> right, He knows this, but what happens is it it needs to be spoken so that it draws out our belief, our what we really believe in our heart of hearts and what we see here is that they believed him to be a prophet. They believed him to be of God. They hoped he would be the redeemer of Israel, but somehow they feel that it's it's not true. Right. Some, something has gone terribly amiss in this. Now, here's here are the bigger connections with this. Number one, Jesus is the redeemer of Israel. He did redeem Israel in this moment. The, the way they viewed uh, Jesus or the Messiah to redeem Israel was for him to be a king mm-hmm. and to and to take over. Well, guess what he ushered in? A kingdom. Yes. Because he was a king. So it, all of this is happening. They just don't understand how it's happening. And that's what we need to discover and we need to figure out. But I, I love that you've drawn our, our minds to this almost methodology uh, for for getting to genuine belief. Jesus starts this by going, I'm going to ask some questions because yes. Jesus does this all yes. the time. So he starts asking some questions. Then those people reveal their genuine, their true belief in the answers mm-hmm. to those questions. And then Jesus takes the opportunity yes. and moves forward. And you and I know that this is good psychology. We We would do well to do the same thing. We ask questions. The answers people give, this is why we've got to be quiet enough (laughs) to hear the answer. But when we ask a question, let people answer. Their answers are going to reveal where they are. Then you can take steps in moving forward in their belief. And Jesus just models this so amazingly for us. So verse 22, uh, verse 21, but we were hoping that he who was, uh, it was he that was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened, but also some women among us amazed us. Now, this is fascinating mm-hmm. to me. They amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that uh, that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Nowhere in this conversation do these people jump in and say, add to all that, he resurrected. Yeah. No. Add to that, there was an angelic visitation and somehow he didn't really die? He's alive? Yes. We're not sure what's happening here. You yes. can see the confusion that they're dealing with here. Absolutely. It's there, There's a lot in their words that they said. I mean, they did, as you said. They they knew a lot about what Christ had come to do. They knew... they. They 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 knew he was a, a, a prophet, or they 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 knew he was mighty. They knew he was crucified. They knew he had promised to redeem Israel, but look look at what what he they, what they say to Jesus in in verse twenty one. But we were hoping that it was he who was going. We were hoping. Now, what what you see here is first of all. They had a hope that, that that it was like okay, it's not going to ha- to happen. They were disappointed. There was a hope that did not come to pass in their mind. 
when their hope wasn't really disappoint, disappointed at all. They just didn't know it yet. Yes. They had no idea of it. But it's 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 somewhat. Uh, I mean, I mean, look at they, this past tense. We were hoping, and we don't hope that anymore. Is what is what they're saying. Mm. We we had that hope, and it didn't and it didn't happen. They did not understand everything that had happened. But Jesus was going to show them that that their that their true hope was going to be fulfilled in the fact that, and they didn't know this either, mm-hmm. that it was him that was standing in front yes. of them right at that very moment. And and then it's it's really odd. I love that. I I love the 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 story. It's intriguing what it was in verse twenty two that these women, but also some women among us, amazed us. They amazed them when they were at the tomb early in the morning and they and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women had said. But look at what the last thing. But him, talking about Jesus, they did not see. They're like, yeah. okay. And, and at this whole, this whole thing, none of them surmised, neither of the two of these guys surmised, that it must be that he did exactly what he said he was going to do. Yes. Not they didn't. That wasn't in their. Yeah. They had no file folder for that. So a couple, of, a couple of pieces that really need to be thought through on this. Number one, um, it, we can't just chalk this up to resurrection wasn't a thing and they didn't understand it. And here's why: because people in Jesus's own ministry yes. at his own hands had been raised from the dead. So Lazarus comes walking out of a tomb in burial cloth. Mm-hmm. Okay? He has to be unwrapped at this point. There is a there there are other stories of children who have died and everybody is mocking Jesus because they're saying this child is dead and Jesus says they're just asleep and and he raises them over and over. So we can't rule this out to say they just didn't have a file folder for res- resurrection. Here's the second reason that they that they had a file folder for resurrection. There was a difference between a Pharisee and a Sadducee. One believed in resurrection, one did not. So the first thing that we have to realize, they they knew about resurrection. They understood the concept. Here's where your point is so important and that is they never connected that to what Jesus said. Right. And he expressly said he has to die and rise again. So, so you're going, okay, uh, why is it that you don't see what he exactly said? Don't know. They just did not see it. And their hopes were crushed. Second thing to point out, I love that you pointed out their hope. Uh, scripture tells us that our faith is, is trust. That's what faith is. And we place our trust in something. And the Bible will go on to tell us that what we place our trust in is hope. And hope is predicated on promises, on on what God has said. So they had hoped he would be the redemption of Israel, the redeemer of Israel, which means they had genuine faith. Their faith was genuine. Something happened that derailed that faith to them and made them think, this can't actually be. So, so we're going to walk through that in just a second. The third thing that's worth thinking about through this is where Jesus is in his storyline. So first of all, Jesus came as a man, incarnation. Second, he has died and he has risen again. 
But here's what Jesus is not. Jesus has not been glorified yet, which means Jesus is walking around in a fleshly body. They didn't say they thought one like an angel was standing with them. They didn't say he was glowing and floating through walls. Now he does that. But but it's really a strange thing that they're looking at this one. This also is why I believe that they weren't terribly intimate disciples. Right. Right. Because maybe they didn't spend enough time around him recognizing, you know, who he was and all these things. But so here's the storyline of Jesus. We're at, we are incarnation, check, that's happened. Death, burial, resurrection, check, that's happened. Glorification hasn't happened. This is Jesus's physical body. Mm-hmm. He's walking around in his normal setup yeah. <laughs> and they can't recognize him. I just think it's, I think it's fascinating. I think it's worth us keeping in mind. Jesus isn't glorified until he ascends to the father. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. what a, what a, Fantastic way of uh, of thinking through all this stuff because you you if you don't do that you're going what is he floating around and they yeah, can't exactly tell an angel right. yeah. or they can't tell a spiritual being or or what is it so we get back to our story uh, with all those crazy details in our head they were hoping that he would be the redemption of Israel twenty four um. Uh, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said. Okay, so you confirmed the you confirmed the report, but him they did not see, and he said to them, "Yeah, <laughs> he'd been doing. They were doing so well. Yeah, and then he looks at them and says, and this is one of those uh, greetings or a statement to them that in today's hypersensitive culture is never understood. It's just never received well. He says." Oh, foolish men, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Right? So so he has to suffer these things in order to enter into his glory. Verse 27, then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were, where they were going, and he acted as though he were going farther. But they urged him, saying, stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over, which was a common thing for Jewish people to do, invite you in. It was mm-hmm. the, the sun's going down. So he went in to stay with them, and he reclined, uh, and when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Well, now we have the physical Jesus, and he just disappeared. Yeah. That's just downright that's, crazy. That's, I love what Jesus is is saying to them and all of the different things that 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 ha- that are that are happening here there they they had they had heard the stories they 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 tell they tell who they believe just to be another tra- traveler about these women that amazed him that they were at the tomb and 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 didn't find his body and it was just exactly as they had said but they didn't believe it. Still, they didn't no believe connecting it. the dots. But, but it says him. They didn't see. They didn't see Jesus. So it just—it almost seems 
that it, it almost seems that Jesus is, first of all, trying to get them to say or to see something that, that we, we have to see. First of all, we, we can believe without going and seeing that Jesus had written. We're required to believe without going to the tomb. We don't even know where the tomb is technically. Right. I mean, we, we can't go there and see an empty tomb, and it's over 2,000 years old. So we, we have to believe based on the, on what, on the eyewitness account on God's word, and we have many, many eyewitnesses accounts, but there, there's, there's that piece of it. And then it's like you, it, it, he calls them foolish men and slow of heart to believe that, that they did not, uh, to, slow to believe in all that the prophets have, have spoken. How many times did Jesus say to the, to the Jewish rulers, hey, you, 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 you know the scriptures, you yes. know the scriptures and they're talking about me and you don't believe them and you don't, it is, and it's, it's similar to that here. He said, if you've read, you should know that what I said I would do is now happened. Yes. And it's, it's just amazing. But then I, I love the, the part that, that he starts to, he starts to say to them, was it not necessary yeah. for the, you? If you knew the scripture, you knew that it was necessary yes. for the Christ to, to suffer these things and to enter his glory. Yeah. So, so all of this, again, remembering who it's spoken to, this is spoken to Jewish people. These are Jewish people. And for him to say foolish men, slow of heart was a, uh, a statement we're gonna we're gonna remember. He's saying harsh things or pseudo harsh things to his apostles when he says, "You have little faith," or "You you know, you, where is your faith?" or these kinds of things. It was it's a statement that says of the people who should know, you are they. <laughs> You're the people who should know, and yet you still don't know. This is why Jesus, in in my uh, interpretation of scripture. Uh, this is why he is so harsh with the Jewish people, because they're the ones to whom the law and the prophet have been given. They're the ones that should understand that the Messiah, the Christ, has got to suffer and then to enter into his glory. They are the ones who had the prophets. They should have known the story. Now, the apostles of all people or the disciples of all people, man, they definitely had no excuse. No. They should have definitely known this. So I love that Jesus doesn't say, foolish men, slow of heart, go to hell. I, right. I love that he doesn't do that. That's what, we, that's what people do with a wrong view of faith today. Instead, first of all, let's look at the chances, he's, the chances he's given them. Number one, when they didn't recognize him. Now, it does, it does say that they were prevented from recognizing him. So he's testing them. There's a, there's a challenge here. He asks them a question. So tell me what's going on. What's going on? They're like, you don't know all the stuff that's going on. Like, you're the only guy under the rock. He says, well, what things have been going on? And then they explain this whole thing to him. And yet at the end of that explanation, they're like, and he just not in the tomb. And we have no idea what's yeah. going on. Yeah. So Jesus then gives this other chance, says, foolish men, slow of heart, uh, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. So you've been told this. Was it not necessary for this to happen? And then verses 27 on, 
he begins to explain it to them because he's given them this amazing opportunity to get it, right? And so, and this is what our responsibility is as pastors and teachers. This is what our responsibility is, I think, as mothers and fathers with our children. And that is, beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Now, that line makes me jump up and down because it proves that there is a way with Moses's words and the prophet's words for us to explain the things concerning Jesus in all the scriptures. Jesus did it. We can do it as well because it's right there. Absolutely right. Important. It's a very important. First of all, I love the fact that when he says to them, oh, foolish man, they didn't say, you know what, that offends us. Yeah. <laughs> and, we don't, and we're not going to walk with you any this further, buddy. This is absolutely buddy. great, yes. Uh, we're, they, they didn't say that. You're a mean preacher. They, exactly. You, you don't, uh, yeah, that's very offensive to us. They didn't say <laughs> anything like that. They even said, hey, why don't you stay? Yes. So, but anyway, <laughs> awesome. this whole thing, when he says uh, uh, s- slow uh, of heart to believe, for, you know, first of all, it just kind of shows that uh, it, it, some, sometimes we think, it's that the that the unbelief problem or the obstacles to unbelief are in our head. It's in our heart. That's where the obstacles to unbelief are. But when when Jesus starts to explain to them about what the prophets have have spoken, and it, it's a dramatic thing. I mean, it's a way of, of mm-hmm. him emphasizing that they failed number one to accept the plain teachings of the old of the Old Testament. It seems almost incredible that after all that was written in the Old Testament concerning, they talk about the the suffering servant of God and his being despised and rejected. That's all, that's all in the old, the old, the old Testament, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And if, if you look in Psalm 22, it's, it's almost the exact scenes of the crucifixion having been spelled out. It's, it's, it's almost exactly. And, and the, the still the, the Jewish people were almost totally blind to this piece of what the Messiah was going to do, and and it is amazing to us. Now, they, we go. If you walk through all of what, and 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 I I didn't take the time. The, a, a scholar that's much smarter than I walked through all of the Old Testament scriptures, and and they'll they'll Isaiah fifty three. I, I won't go through all Isaiah fifty, uh, Zechariah twelve. It, there's scripture after scripture that tells exactly why they should have known. And that's, that's, that's amazing. Yes. Like you said, that's so cool that Jesus said, look, right here, here's what I'm going to explain to you. I'm going to explain to you how that it actually happened the way yes. that I said it was going to. This is why uh, Paul's words in Corinthians are so important. We have what we, what we say is the, the greatest kind of synopsis of the gospel, that Christ died in accordance with the scriptures, mm-hmm. that he was crucified and he was buried, and on the third day he rose according to the scriptures. What scriptures were we talking about? Moses and all the prophets. Yes. Now, what I find amazing again about that line is that it says, beginning from or beginning with, it, it's the same the same kind of uh, word there, uh, but beginning from Moses and from, and this line is amazing, all the prophets. Yeah. Notice he doesn't talk about, well, this is just Jeremiah. We're just going to deal with Jeremiah. No, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, as you brought up, it's we've got Isaiah, we've got all of these pieces. 
all of them were prophesying mm-hmm. of the coming, which means God gave it so they should really have known what was going yeah. on, but they just flat out missed him. Uh, Jesus would say the same thing to a, a, a set of Pharisees at one point when he when he says, uh, you, you open your scriptures, you know all these scriptures, but you don't know who they're pointing to. I'm standing right in front of you. They point to me and you don't recognize me. There's your problem. So in other words, and this is really an important little nugget of truth, it's, it's never going to be heard uh, for as, as important as it is in an hour-long podcast, but Jesus does not uh, set Scripture apart from, uh, from himself. He, he doesn't do that, especially in that passage that we're talking about. Instead, what he's doing is saying, if you're reading the Bible right— you're going to see that it talks about me. I, I saw a um, I saw a, a post not too long ago. I'll see if I can bring it up here real quick on the on the uh, on the computer and and quote it for you. And this is this is one of those posts that is so foolishly absurd, but Christians believe this junk all day long. Here's what it says. It said, a man possessed by thousands of demons is referring to that legion uh, story in scripture when Jesus casts out all the demons. A man possessed by thousands of demons recognized Jesus, but the men possessing thousands of scriptures couldn't. And what they do is they make this out to sound like, uh, you know, just because you know a lot of Bible doesn't mean you, doesn't is not good for you. The truth is, there are people who know a bunch of scripture that do know Jesus, and that's the best case scenario. Absolutely. You need to know what yes. God's word yes. says because it does point to him. What I find amazing about Jesus's words here is that he appeals to those very scriptures that people in yep. our world today say, it's not about how much Bible you know, it's about, it's about a relationship and not religion. Uh, this is just a practice in missing yeah. the point. You know, uh, what what we've got to do is realize if we're reading it rightly, all of Moses and all the prophets yes. are pointing us to our King and our Messiah. So let's keep that firmly in our mind because the scriptures were given to us for a reason, to encourage us, to, to correct us, to shape us and change us. All of that's important. So, so as we approach the village uh, where they were going, this is an interesting, uh, interesting add-on to this. And I want to, I want to, par- I want to harken back to something that I shared just a second ago about a physical being, Jesus. This is his physical body, and yet he disappears. We've actually seen this before without it being Jesus. Mm-hmm. Verse twenty-eight says, "And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going farther. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over.' Now I'm I'm seeing those images of Lot inviting the angels in and all this stuff because they're they're scared of what can happen to people in darkness. But anyway, so they invite him in, and he goes in to stay with them. And when he had reclined at the table. And now we're remembering all those stories of Jesus because he's always reclining at the table with them. And he took the bread and blessed it and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Now, 
it's it's in the it's in the what we don't have recorded yeah. that's so powerful. He blessed it. Yeah. What do you think that that sounded like? Yes, it sounded surely like his blessing. Absolutely, but we just don't have it written right there. So so we're going. What did he just like? You know, our Father who art in heaven. Yeah, like, it was, yeah. we just give us this day our daily bread. He wasn't just reading Catholic prayers. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> so yes. instead he blesses the prayer. He blesses the bread and breaks it and gives it to them. And right then they recognize who this one is. He's the one who has done this with them yes. at some point. So so something has happened that's triggered that memory. And verse 31 says, then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. Now, where have we heard somebody doing an act a physical being doing something and vanishing from their sight. Same thing we hear from Philip when he yes. baptizes the Ethiopian yes. eunuch. Yes. Philip was never God. Philip never got incarnated. He was just a man. Yeah. And he baptizes the eunuch and disappears from his sight yeah. completely. So, so all I'm getting at is this is not Jesus's glorified body yet. This is his physical body resurrected. And yet he can still disappear. That's cool. But Philip did too, so it shouldn't really shock us that yeah. much. So anyway. The other correlation to that is that uh, that Philip had just finished talking to them about talking to the exactly. about scriptures. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, and that I, I wanted to go back to that because that is so cool. The very thing that you talked about with uh the 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 scripture beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, when when he when it says that uh, he, in verse 27, that he explained to them the things concerning himself in the scripture. Uh, there are some, some translations that said he expounded to them uh, concerning mm. himself. That, that Greek word for expounded is, and I'm going to get, I'm going to probably butcher this, but we'll give it a shot here. Dear Minio, dear Minio, and this has the, the, the meaning of that word has the idea of sticking close to a text, hmm. sticking close to a text. So the idea of expounding or explaining the Bible is to simply let the text speak for itself. Exactly what any, any Bible teacher should is do. supposed to do. That's exactly. So, and uh, why? Not because it makes us smarter or makes it any, but it's because it's what Jesus did. Yeah. Let's add to that. It also implies it's possible. Yes. This is something that's missing yes. in the culture today. He explained to them those things because that's possible to do. People say, uh, where do you get off believing that as a pastor, you can, you can rightly divide the word of truth or you can explain it? Because it's a thing that can be done. Yes. And the thing that can be done is done because the scripture itself interprets the scripture. We, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. You ought to be the called guy in the room, but you, you don't have to be the smartest guy in the room. You have to be the one yielded to the word of God. And when you do that, you can do the very thing that Jesus did for these people. And, and that, again, as you so beautifully put it, that's our job. Absolutely. That's exactly what you have Absolutely. to do. This is why it, it does infuriate me, I have to be honest. It infuriates me when I see pastors just kind of winging it, just talking about scriptures just off the cuff as though they can make a meaning out of it out of nowhere. 
Nope. There's a meaning in there and you need to be mining for that meaning. You need to dive in. And to not do that is for you to be terribly unfaithful. Why, Why would you, why would you, I love it when I hear people say that the word of God is powerful. And then they don't use the word of God. Yeah. They quote it and then they interpret some random obscure meaning and they preach off of their random obscure meaning. If you really believe that the word of God has power, then just preach it. Absolutely. Right? It was Charles Spurgeon who, who said this initially, and then Lewis, C.S. Lewis kind of copies this idea and puts it in a maybe even a more poetic way, which is hard to do from Spurgeon because it's amazing. Yes. But the idea here is that uh, the, the Lion of Judah is what they would talk about. They, they would ask the question, Spurgeon would say, how do you, uh, how do you defend a lion? You let him out of his cage. Yes. <laughs> and he was likening this to the word of God. How do you defend the word of God? Let it out of its cage. It doesn't need your help. It needs you. It may need you to explain or expand on it, but that is to interpret, as you just pointed out. This is really important. So very fun stuff inside of that. So then Jesus reclines at the table. He breaks the bread. He does the blessing. They knew that blessing. Then their eyes are opened. And that, again, is one of those uh, divine passes, right? So their eyes were open. God had opened their eyes. They recognized him. And, and just in time, he disappears. Wait, Wait, well, hold on, hold on a second. I want to see that guy again. So verse 32, and this I think would be true of any one of us. They said to one another, but look at where this, this point starts. He says, they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road? While he was explaining the scriptures to us, the the idea here is that their understanding and explaining here means opening the scriptures, unpacking them, whatever way we would say it today. But their idea is that their revelation began while they were walking. Absolutely, with him. I love that picture. Yeah. It wasn't just at breaking bread before he knew they knew he was Jesus. Yes, their eyes were opened at breaking bread. But their hearts were burning as there were triggers while they walked yes. with him. And I think we've all experienced these kinds of things. It's 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 before it, they didn't even know it was they didn't even know it was Christ. When even when they didn't believe he was risen from the dead. Now now keep that in mind. It, they didn't believe at that point that he had risen from the dead yet. They exactly. they said that. Exactly. And they, they we don't see him. And but their hearts still burn. Why did? Why was that? Because God's word is powerful. Yep. And God's word. The here's one of the things that is one of the, the the weightiest things that I think about. That the that expounding and explaining God's word to anybody is one of the most is probably the most important task that a preacher can do that a a minister that, that a, a christian can do it, it doesn't i don't care what your title is it doesn't have to be preacher pastor if you're explaining the word of god you are in such a weighty matter that you it's it, it outweighs many other things that we think are important yes. in this life yes and as, as you just pointed out you know a mom and dad have a responsibility to train up their yes. children the way they should go which means they have a responsibility to expand the word of god yes they they have to do that and that is their responsibility the scripture would then tell us that iron sharpens iron this is then the responsibility of 
well, every Christian with one another. We're to sharpen one another. We're to, mm-hmm. and we're doing that through the scriptures. We encourage one another through hymns and psalms and spiritual songs and the word of God, which was given for this very purpose. So preacher or not, I love your point, preacher or not, we have a huge responsibility that we ought to be these kind of people. Yes. We ought to do this. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing it. So at the beginning of this, I, I threw out there uh, that question, you know, who are these two that are traveling on this road to Emmaus? And there's a lot of conjecture. But again, what's our hermeneutical principle? Just keep reading, and we can actually come to some definitive mm-hmm. ideas. And I, I wanted this to play out because it's really fun to let these things play out for people. So here's what we know up to this point. There were two people. Well, that could be interpreted two of the women. It could have been interpreted two of the disciples. It could have been interpreted two of the apostles. Well, we get to rule out that one's name is Cleopas, which is actually a masculine name. So we know at least one's a man. Yes. We, we would assume that a man and a man would travel together in ancient times. Mm-hmm. But again, all we're doing there is appealing to maybe a cultural norm that we're uh, unfamiliar with. So then we read on and we say, we say, okay, so we've got one of their names and we're wondering who the other is. That means we have ruled out that it's two of the women that came back from the tomb. We're also ruling out that it would be, um, that it would be two apostles because it can't be Cleopas was not one of them. Right. Mm-hmm. So then we go to 33 and it says they got up that very hour. Now I, I do love this. As soon as, as soon as they realized it was Jesus, they got up and ran right back to where they came from. <laughs> right. So they run back to Jerusalem and they found gathered together who the 11. So nobody in the, Nobody of the 11 was in this group of two. They ran back to the 11. Right. Uh, so, so what we're dealing with is these are just disciples. One's name's Cleopas. But we've got a disciple and another disciple, and that's all we know. Okay, but we can definitively say it wasn't one of the, it wasn't two of the apostles. It wasn't even one of the apostles. It wasn't the women who found him, found the tomb empty. These were just some other disciples. That's just an important thing. We can know that for a fact just based on what the text says. So they got up at very hour, returned to Jerusalem. Remember, they're going to Emmaus, but they returned to Jerusalem. Seven miles, they turn around and go seven miles back home. (laughs) No big deal. They jumped in their their Honda, you know, and took it back. So, and found gathered together. Well, they all were all in one accord. Wow. This is getting <laughs> thick. I love it. Okay, so they found gathered together the 11 of those who were with them, the 11, and those who were with them. Verse 34, saying, the Lord has really risen and has appeared to Simon. So what did they go back to find? They found gathered together the 11 and those who were with them, saying. Now, who is saying this is the question. And it appears they are the ones saying this, right? Um, it could have been the 11 sharing this news, but the point still remains, here's what they came to the conclusion of. He's actually done it. Yeah. He's risen. He's risen. And he appeared to Simon. Now, I think this is funny. In the great debate that we have in our culture today about women in ministry and all of these things, and I'm not going to weigh into that right now. I just want you to, I want you to hear me out on this because this is, this is really important. So first of all, people will say, who were the first to find Jesus gone at the tomb? 
and people will respond and they'll say women. And my response to that is, and that doesn't prove anything. It just tells us that that's who Mm -hmm. first saw it. Okay. In today's culture, what do we do? We say first people who saw it was were women, and therefore the value in the scripture was placed on the women. I think we're again reading into that. I'm not saying there isn't value in these women, and I'm also not saying that women should not proclaim he is risen, he is risen, and the gospel and all those things. They should because women did that, okay? But look at what happens in the text of scripture. It said, The Lord has really risen, and he appeared to Mary Magdalene. No, it didn't say that. It says, and has appeared to Simon. Why point out Simon? Because that's what they viewed as important in this time. I don't know what else to say to you. My point is that none of these things in isolation can be construed as trying to prove anybody's point on women or not women in ministry. These are simply historical details to try to jam a implied meaning into why those words were put there. I'll just put it bluntly. It's it's reading too much yes. into the text. I think it's wrongly dividing the word of truth. Yeah. What we do see here is, you know what happened? He really did rise, and then he appeared to Simon. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew he appeared to Mary first. Everybody knew that, but... What was written here is that he appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. What a powerful awesome. way to conclude that. So any, any final thoughts I, on I, this? I completely agree. I love, I love what they said here. And this is, uh, this is, this is God saying, hey, uh, now my resurrection has been confirmed by more than two witnesses, so he's keeping the Jewish law once again. Yes, amen. Well, that's it for today, guys. And if you would, please like and share this podcast with your friends. And finally, remember 2 Timothy 3.16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work.